1 Samuel 13, 1 Samuel 13, go to verse 19. We know that the main enemy of the children of Israel throughout the Old Testament was the Philistines. And the, the book of 1 Samuel is a constant, 2 Samuel in fact, it's, it's just a constant war between the, the Philistines and the children of Israel. It goes back a long time, this war does. And this war is still going on. And it would go back and forth and the Philistines seemingly at this point had control. Here's, here's how much they had control. Verse 19 of 1 Samuel chapter 13. It says, there was no smith found throughout all the land of Israel. Now, before I go further, that is not Tom and Judy Smith. <laughs> but that's just a, an old English term. The King James Version will, will write it this way, but it's just a blacksmith. Okay, there was no blacksmith. There was no smith found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make them swords or spears. But all the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen every man his share or plowshare. That's another word for plowshare. And his coulter and his axe and his mattock. Yet they had a file for the mattocks and for the coulters and for the forks and for the axes and to sharpen the goads. So it came to pass in the day of battle... Look, there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people that were with Saul and Jonathan. No weapon. No weapon. But with Saul and with Jonathan, his son, was there found. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the passage of Michmash. Now that may seem very confusing of what's happening here. This tells us a little bit about what's happening during this battle. One of the plans of the Philistines was to not only defeat the children of Israel, but they would do it in cunning ways. And we find here one of those devices in order to defeat God's people. And that was to get rid of all the blacksmiths. And you say, well, why was that important? Blacksmiths were responsible for not only swords, spears, but they were responsible for the armor. They're responsible for shields. And they were also responsible for the everyday tools that they used to help them in gardening and in, in, in farming, agriculture. They were responsible for making those tools. So whenever the Philistines got rid of all the blacksmiths, that means, number one, there's no weapons, no armor, no shields, nothing. That was the way they would try to defeat the enemy. Because sometimes it's not a matter of taking your life, it's a matter of making sure that you have no opportunity to gain control. That's what the enemy likes to do. He likes to use cunning devices. He is a serpent. He is subtle. He will use devices that we can't think or imagine to try to get us down, to try to stop our progress. But notice what they even did more. So now they, they have gotten rid of all the blacksmiths. And now here's what the children of Israel have to do. In order for their regular tools to be sharpened, they've got to go to the camp of the Philistines 
in order to sharpen their instruments so they can use that to get a harvest. Now imagine that. They've taken control of their armor, their swords, their shields, their spears. Now if they want to get a harvest, if they want to be able to provide for their family, if they want to be able to farm the land, they've got to go into the camp of the enemy to get those tools sharpened. Interesting, isn't it? Notice what it also says in verse 21. Yet they had a file for the mattocks and for the coulters and for the forks and for the axes and to sharpen the goads. Now, automatically when we read that, we would assume that they're talking about a file that would be used to sharpen instruments. But if you look that word up in the original text, the word actually means a price. So picture it. I know this is boring right now, but I promise it's going to get good. They've taken control of the blacksmiths. They cannot make any more swords. They cannot make any spears. They cannot make any armor. They cannot make anything that would help them in their agriculture. And now for what the tools, Tom, that they have left, they have to go to the camp of the enemy to get them sharpened, but the enemy don't do it for free. It costs them something. And folks, anytime you let the enemy come and take control of your life, it'll cost you something. And the enemy's job and the enemy's, what he's been doing for a long time, he's, he's really good at it. He tries to inch away and take away little by little by little by little so much that he will have control over your life. That's what the Philistines were doing with the children of Israel. They were taking a little here and a little there and a little here and a little there. And listen, folks, you may think that'll never happen to me, but what you don't understand in your laziness, in your apathy, in your not closely walking with God. The enemy is taking away a little here and a little bit here and a little bit here and then you'll turn around one day and you'll be thinking, where in the world am I? Now I've got to go into the camp of the enemy to even have my tools sharpened and it's going to cost me something. I tell you what folks, the enemy is out to steal, kill and destroy. And they were left with no weapon. No weapon. The only weapons that tells us here in the text It says the only weapons that were found in the hands of God's people were in the hand of Saul and in the hand of Jonathan. Only two swords in the entire army of the Israelites. That seems like a hopeless battle, doesn't it? Do you ever feel like you're fighting a battle that you're outnumbered? Do you ever feel like you're fighting a battle that with no weapons in your hand? And you wonder how in the world am I going to face this, this enemy of the, the spiritual Philistine that is coming my way? Do you feel like you're just, the enemy has control of your life and yet you feel like you have nothing that you can use to fight the enemy with? I'm going to answer that question tonight if you have that question. And I say there's probably somebody in here. I'm sure there's probably a multitude of people in here tonight that have that same kind of question. What do I do when it seems like I have nothing to fight with? What do I do when when it feels like the enemy's taking everything away from me? I'll tell you what you do. You do exactly what the word of God says. And we're going to find out through his word tonight what we do when we have no weapons. Number one, I want you to notice this. When we have no weapons, 
we still have to be willing to fight. We still have to be willing to fight. The very next chapter in Second, excuse me, in First Samuel chapter fourteen, we have a story, and, and Jim McComas was here recently and preached about this passage of scripture. So I won't belabor the point, but but Jonathan and his armor bearer. Now remember, who's the only person? There's only two people in the camp of the Israelites that have a sword. One of those is Jonathan, and one of those is Saul. And so now here is Jonathan and his armor bearer, and they find out that there's twenty Philistines. There's a, a garrison of the Philistines that is above them, and so Jonathan says, "Let's go and take them on." <laughs> I don't. Don't you love that? And so even though they were outnumbered and even though it looked like they would be defeated, I love what this verse says. And uh, see, let me find it here real quick. In verse seven of chapter 14, after Jonathan, it says, said to the young man that bare his armor in verse six, come, let us go over under the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us for there was no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And look at what his armor bearer said. He said unto him, do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. They only had one sword. The armor bearer didn't even have a weapon in his hand, but he said, let's go get him. Let's go get him. I'm willing to fight irregardless of me not having a weapon in my hand. And folks, tonight we have to realize it may seem like we are the minority and it may seem like we are a defeated foe, but I got good news for you. God's not looking for weapons. He's looking for people that are willing to fight. Because look at what happened when these two men were willing to fight. God came to their rescue. God came to them and they defeated that garrison of the Philistines because they were simply willing to fight. And folks, in the day in which we live, if there's a time when we as Christians must stand up and fight, it is right now. John, would you care to turn the monitors down some up here? Thank you. If there's a time when we need to be fighting, it's now. And it seems like the world today is just, if just the world in general is upset. And it don't take them much to fly off the handle and get angry. But most of the time when people get angry and upset, it's over stuff that don't matter. At the end of the day, it's a ball game. At the end of the day, somebody might have done you wrong, but listen, you're going to be better for it if you don't fight and if you don't argue with them. I know there are things that happen in life, and I hate it as well as everybody else, but there are things that simply, it's just you're wasting your time and you're wasting your energy if you try to fight for those things. But there are some things that God says it's okay to fight for. And listen tonight, I don't know about you, but I'm in a fighting mood. I'm in a fighting spirit. I'm ready to go and say, even though it may look like I don't have a weapon in my hand, Hallelujah, I'm still willing to fight. I'm willing to fight for my children. I am. I'm willing to fight for my kids. Regardless of what the school system wants to teach, regardless if they want to put litter boxes out of the hallway, I'm going to fight for my kids. (laughs) Have y'all heard about that? I say, if they want to do it, let's go ahead and bring up some spay and neutering as well. If they want to act like cats, be like Bob Barker up here. Stupid, it's ignorant. 
But yet people will fight for craziness like that. And yet they let the, the kids that really need help, they let them go by because they're fooling with all these crazy people. Listen, folks, I'm willing to fight for my kids. I'm willing to fight for what thus saith the Lord. And I know, and I know, I know we, all have, we all think our kids don't do any wrong. But let me reassure you, they do wrong. And they mess up. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about standing up for our children. Whenever the world will tell them that sin is right. And living for God is wrong. Listen, it's time for us to stand. It's time for us to fight. You say, Brian, I don't have a weapon. I, and it may seem like you don't have a weapon. But I promise you, if you're willing to fight, God. We'll fight the battle. I'm willing to fight for my children. I'm willing to fight for my church. Amen. Amen. I, I, uh, I'm on social media mainly for the fact so I can watch what you all do. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> do I or don't I? No, if I do that all, all the time, then I'd be upset at everybody. Because some of y'all do some stupid stuff. And you miss church for everything, and you put it right up there for the world to see. And then you act like everything's okay between you and God. Hello. Okay. So anyway. Man, we, we get blasted. We get, and, and I know they don't go ahead and. They don't tag us in their posts, but they don't have to. They're pretty specific about what they say about the Rubyville Community Church. We scream, we holler, we run, we shout, and they don't like it. It's all emotion. There's no Bible in it. There's no word in it. There's no Jesus in it. Well, they can go ahead and die if they want to. There's some things I'm going to stand for and I'm willing to fight for my church. I didn't have to come here. I had a wonderful place to go to church, but God said, you're going to Rubyville. 17 years ago, 18 years ago now, I came to this place with all the intensive purposes just to sit and worship. God had other plans and I'm so glad he did. And I've invested, if, it was, if I've only been here a day, I've already invested way too much to back down and not stand up for our church. But I'm gonna stand up for the Rubyville Community Church. But it goes even beyond that. I'm standing up for the church of the living God. Amen. Because even though I believe we're the best church in the world, we still have our faults because we're filled with people with faults and imperfections. But I got good news for you. I'm standing on the church that Peter talked about. Hallelujah. He said, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And guess what? I can stand for that church. Why? Because Jesus is fighting that battle for me. Amen. Amen. I'll, I'll fight for my children. I'll fight for our church. And I'll fight for our community. I'll fight for our people that's around us. I'll fight to make sure that they come to Christ as their personal Savior. And listen, if we need a revival in our soul of anything, it's to win people to Jesus Christ. There's a community dying. Jesus is coming. And we need to do all we can to stand up and fight and say, devil, you can't have our community. You can't have them. God's promised he would fight that battle for us. 
I got to hurry. First of all, we got to be willing to fight even though we have no weapons. Secondly, we've got to work with what God has fabricated for us. Not only do we have to be willing to fight, but we have to work with what God has fabricated for us. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about 1 Samuel chapter 17. There was a young boy that didn't have a weapon. But all he had in his hand was something that God made for him. He didn't have a sword. He didn't have a spear. All he did was say, Goliath, I come to thee in the name of the Lord. (laughs) I don't have a spear in my hand. I don't have a sword in my hand. I don't have an armor bearer in front of me, but I don't need all those things because I have Jesus and I have what he's made for me. Hallelujah. I'll use what he's given me. He didn't even have a club. All he had was a couple of strings and a piece of leather and a rock. And guess what he did? He was able to knock down the giant that stood in front of him. Why? Because he worked with what God had made for him. And it may seem like you don't have a weapon in your hand. Look around. God has gifted each one of us with something that he's made specifically for us. A talent, a gift that we can use as a weapon to defeat the enemy. Some of you, it may be prayer. Some of you, it may be singing. Some of you, it may just be a faithful church attender. Some of you, it may be a faithful prayer warrior. Some of you, it may be someone that can just send a card or an encouragement. Oh, I, I, got, I was able to visit Denver. Denver Rake's been in the hospital. And and been able to visit him and he was he said uh, he called out a lady's name I wouldn't embarrass her uh, for, for, for nothing but many of you know who she is and she sends cards and a lot of people don't know she, she's very backward she don't stand up and say a lot of things but she has a ministry of sending cards and if you've been in the hospital if you've been sick no doubt you probably have received a card from this lady and she's very eloquent writer and she you can tell it comes from her heart and he said you'll never know how that blessed me and she, he said I can't wait to get back to church to thank her for what you see that was a weapon that God had given it may not have been a sword it may not have been a spear but hallelujah she used what God had given her communicate with, with Ryan Bussey this afternoon and he wanted me to send his love to you all he can't wait to get back and we can't wait to have him back he said it's been wonderful here he said in the place that he's at he's getting some good food good fellowship and as far as he's they're having bible studies and he said i just want you to know i've been showered with love with prayer and with cards from the rubyville community church he said my my church loves me and i said yes we do and we can't wait to see you we can't wait for you to get back I'm telling you what, folks, you'll never know. You say, it it may not be much. No, don't say that. Don't say that. It's what God has made specifically for you. And just like any team out on a ball field or any team on a court or a soccer field, it takes an entire team to make up a win. And listen tonight, folks, if we're going to win as a church, if we're going to win as children of God, it takes every single one of us doing what God has gifted us to do. Work with what he's fabricated for you. And look at what happened when David knocked down that giant. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, verse 50, there was no sword in the hand of David. But yet even with no weapon, he was still able to knock down the giant. Hallelujah. If you work with what God has given you, you'd be surprised with the giants that you can knock down if you just use what God has given 
You got to be willing to fight. You got to work with what he's fabricated for you. And finally, you have to worship in the face of the enemy. You have to worship in the face of the enemy. Second Chronicles chapter 20 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. The children of Israel, uh, Judah specifically, the Syrians were coming against them. And the Syrians, that great army was outnumbering them. They were outnumbered, they were overwhelmed. There was nowhere for them to go and undoubtedly they would face annihilation. Jehoshaphat was the king. He proclaimed a fast in the land and called out upon the Lord for direction and for help. And right out there in the middle of the crowd, as not only were the adults, but it says all the way down to the kids, they begin to lift up their voice and begin to pray to God. Right in the middle of that crowd, the prophet Jehaziel spoke up. And this is what he said. Paraphrasing. He said, God has heard your prayer. (laughs) And guess what? You ain't even gonna have to swing (laughs) a punch. You ain't even gonna have to fight the fight. You ain't gonna have to lift a finger because the battle is the Lord's. The enemy has already been defeated. And here's what you do. When you wake up in the morning, you put the praise team out in front. And when you go into the battle, you go into the battle with no weapons in your hand. The only thing you're using is the weapons of praise that God has put on the inside of each of you. And when they woke up in the morning, the praisers went out front and they began to praise God. They began to worship God. And as they were walking toward the enemy, when they crested over the hill, all the enemy had already destroyed each other. And when they got there, they collected the spoils of the enemy. Why? Because they understood they didn't need a weapon. All they needed was to worship. And it may feel like you're outnumbered, overwhelmed, no direction, nowhere to go. And you think, I don't have anything in my hand to use. To defeat the enemy. You don't have to use anything in your hand. Just use what God has given you in your heart. And that is worship. That is praise. Because truly praise and worship is the ultimate weapon to defeat the enemy. Do you agree with that? I've seen it happen before. I've seen it happen when people have been sick. I've seen it happen when people have felt like they were at their wits end and nowhere else to go. And they lifted their hands in worship. In spite of how they felt, in spite of what was going on around them, they worshiped and they began to praise. And God always seemed to step in, in time, on time, every time. Aren't you thankful that even though we, 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 we may not feel like it, it may not always be the best time for us to praise. But down deep within our heart, God has given each of us a song of praise. And it's time for us, thank God, to fight. It's time for us to use what God has given us. But most of all, it's time for us to worship right in the face to the enemy. The devil didn't give you your worship and he can't take it away. And if you allow him to do that, you've relinquished that into his hands. Just like the Israelites were giving him their harvest and giving them their tools for their harvest, you're doing the same thing when you relinquish your worship back to the enemy. Don't do it, folks. He didn't give it to you. The Lord has been way too good to you. 
You may not be going through the good stuff right now, but I promise you, if you look back in your life, you found him, that he's always been there every step of the way, never left you, never forsaken you. He's promised he would be with us. And now more than ever, the devil's trying to silence the church. I'm telling you, it's, I was talking to a pastor today and we were talking about just in a couple years time, how Satan has come in and tried to silence the churches, the churches that once stood, the once, the churches that were full, the churches, and I'm just not talking about COVID. It was happening way before COVID. But what is, you said, well, that'll never happen at Rubyville. That's, that's the first sign of that it can't happen. Is when you think of it, it can't happen. It can. And the worst thing we can do as a church is to stop our worship and to stop our praise. Because he has been good to us, hasn't he? Amen. If your heads are bowed and how would we come, thank you for your attention tonight. Regardless if you feel like you have no weapon, God's able to help you and fight your battle.